Hello, my fully shining women. We have been on a relationship kick over the last few episodes, and I am really delighted to share our guest today. And as you know, we often talk about themes around how messy life can be and that that's okay because you're not alone in this. And so today I hope to pull back that veil and normalize that all relationships from our own within ourselves to our partners, whether it's a marriage or a relationship, an intimate relationship has challenges and often traumas that this, this is the norm. And so when we get into those places that feel hard and messy and struggle and conflict and trigger, there is hope and we can take that U-turn towards first caring for ourselves and doing our own work and then also developing our skills and capacity to meet our partners and do repair. So my guest today is Sue Mason. She is a conscious uncoupling coach and a relationship coach. She actually is Jamie and my coach, and you've most likely heard us mention her on some past episodes. So if you haven't, go back and listen. And it's just a gift and a delight because she works with individuals and couples to transform their relationships with themselves first and to have that deeper connection and intimacy so that they can create deep security and purpose and meaning. And obviously these are themes that are near and dear to my heart and I know to yours. And so I am just going to go ahead and pass it over to the conversation that Sue and I share together. So here we go. I'm so glad you're here. So welcome, Sue Mason. Thank you. <laughs> Jamie likes to call you by your full name, so okay. we have a little joke about that. And yeah, yeah. I just want to to acknowledge that we live in this tiny little mountain town, and in our particular circle of friends, so many of us have gone through either a death of a partner or separation or divorce or some kind of struggle and repair process. Mm. And so many of us have come to work with you as a couples therapist. And I just really appreciate that you're this deep wellspring resource in our community and that you, you, you actually share your own story and your own struggles and that is so inspiring to me to come to someone who's in that more traditional therapist role and they're willing to be open and vulnerable and just so heartfelt about the way you you uh. work and the way you've tended so many of us. So thank you, thank you. And I'm super excited to share you with my larger community because I know so many women have questions around relationship, both with themselves and with their partners. So I feel like we could talk for hours with our questions and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna pick the very deepest one. So I would just love to start by you sharing a little bit about your marriages, your personal story, and just to open the conversation so we get to know you and we get to hear a little bit about those themes that I know you've shared with with us over the the months and years we've worked with you. Sure. Um trying to think which one to start with. So many stories. Um, 
I guess the major one in my life, which I have told you a little bit about, um, married my high school sweetheart, married at age 20, we're together through 10 years, maybe mm, 25, 26, and um, there was a, a difficult event or events where he, he um, played around, I guess. I still sometimes have trouble talking about it, mm-hmm. so you know, yeah. and I've done a ton, a ton of healing. But uh, um, it was with someone primarily close to me, and so it was like two-sided, threw me for a loop. We uh, divorced. I wandered for five years mm-hmm. in Paonia, tons and tons and tons of spiritual work and classes, and just wandered alone through all these things, modalities, and loved them. But there was never like a um, a conscious completion, a working through of what happened mm-hmm. or why it happened or my part in it. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, years, years later, um, the story goes to, my husband says to me currently, my current husband, Jim, um, hey, <clears throat> It's really hard out here making enough money. I need you to get on board. And I didn't want to. I really didn't. And uh, I thought I had done my job. I raised children. I homeschooled children. I worked in this and that. I was a Waldorf teacher, blah, blah, blah. But I had to do it and chose to do it and turned to conscious uncoupling. Mm -hmm. Found Catherine Woodward Thomas, who's a genius. And it started me off. So here I am. That's such a, a full loop, right? That you had this own, your own experience. It sounds like maybe not as conscious uncoupling in your early marriage. And then to um, be kind of like thrust into the fire to say. Totally. Right. Hey, there's a bigger calling and there there's such a purpose for you to. C- completely. And I had no idea where it would lead me. Mm-hmm. I mean, leading me through my own uh, healing process, actualization process, maturing more, getting more awake in relationship, being able to handle when I'm triggered conflict when that arises rather than be devastated by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even begin to say how much it has given me and I've learned. I am so grateful. Mm-hmm. I am so utterly grateful. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like there was both that work inside of yourself and then that work in relationship. And so I'm really I'm really curious because there's so much going on in the world right now and there's so much going on with women awakening and having both great opportunities and often still being mm-hmm. in that place of feeling one down, shame, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. able to fully express themselves. I'm really curious if there's any like themes or bigger pick, like really big broad perspectives of like what women are bringing to you when they're saying like, hey, something's not working or I'm trying to navigate what's going on in the world and, you know, what my partner's asking of me and what I'm asking of myself. Like, what are, what's, what's going on? Give us your insight. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot going on. Well, the work that I work with a lot right now has to do with taking our own work on ourselves first. Um, The tendency in most couples, even awake women, or on their way to being more awake and powerful and living into who they are and taking it into the world, we still have a tendency, most of us, to blame, 
mm-hmm. or to want to fix our partner. Mm-hmm. If only he would be different. Um, that's not the work. Yeah. The work is to do a U-turn and work on ourselves at a real deep depth of um, of uh, how how we had to adapt maybe early on to little T trauma, big T trauma, unsustainability, dysfunction, you name it, how we had to adapt to that. And that's what we work on, to be free of that so that what we put away or what we fragmented off from as our own authenticity mm-hmm. can come forth again. Yep. And then things really start to like live and grow mm-hmm. in the relationship. I love Gabor Mate has a new book out called The Myth of Normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he nails it. <laughs> He's like, he is, I just love him. He's one of my teachers. I have many teachers. Um, and he talks about two basic needs in childhood, attachment and authenticity. And when um, attachment is a close proximity in emotion and physicality, it's hardwired from eons ago mm-hmm. to survive. Authenticity is what's not non what's not negotiable and what is essential so when we grow up women included in environments that are um, less than ideal in terms of attachment we're threatened in some way there's some dysfunction blah 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 there could be trauma um just the normal paradigm in our culture of separation yeah that um, we will give up our authenticity and fragment off to stay attached. Uh-huh. And what we need in this process to be fully um, blossoming in the world, we have to live and drop down back into our authenticity. And that's a process. Mm-hmm. It's a process of healing. And so um, it's an amazing process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm curious because I remember when when I came to you, I had done a lot of work on myself. And when I came saying, oh, here's this laundry list of things that aren't working. And you said, very kindly suggested to me, well, maybe you want to look at working on yourself and enabling yourself to like rise up and meet Jamie and um, speak up and <clears throat> right that that I, I can remember feeling that place of like, well, why do I have to be the one to do this, right? Because usually the women tend to be the way showers in the relationship. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing my experience is it's usually the woman who's raising her hand to say like mm-hmm. something is not working here. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just curious like how how you help your clients really see that there is that benefit both to themselves individually and the relationship and that to just like let go of the, mm-hmm. well, this isn't fair. Like I need to be mm-hmm. the one that starts this or I need to be yeah. the one that initiates it. Yeah. Well, uh, the people that come to me, half of the men come and bring their wife or partner. Interesting. And raise their hand first. Wow. At least. Maybe more. Wow. Yeah. That. Yeah. And so one of the first things that have to happen is that we have to create a power balance. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it goes both ways where... One partner will um, be the what the word is called latent and kind of avoid mm-hmm. the work or why do I have to? Mm-hmm. Um, it's his fault or something like that. And he may or may not be latent also. He may be more what's called blatant, in charged, um, call the shots, uh, push, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things. And everybody's different. Every couple is different. And so there, there needs to be an, a power balance where... 
for instance, your case, you know, rise, raise your voice, Mm -hmm. know your boundaries and needs, take them on, but take them on skillfully with a lot of grace and meet the conflict, meet the collision. Because what we tend to do, because we don't know how to meet it. Yep. We don't know how to meet it gracefully, skillfully, and effectively. We either back away or we push about it. Mm -hmm. So we have to create that balance. You can't just push. You can't just back away. You got to like bring them together. Right. So there's an equal thing going on there. And do do you, I know you talk a lot about like grandiosity and like one up, one down. Mm -hmm. Does, can you talk a little more about that and explain that? Cause we've mentioned that on some of our other episodes and I know that's, Mm -hmm. that's been a really interesting idea to be able to say like, this isn't about one person being more powerful or less powerful, but how can you really come Mm -hmm. into that right relationship and that harmony so that everyone's being heard and met and Mm -hmm. yeah, healed. There's a, there's a lot to say about grandiosity. What, one of my main teachers, Terry Real, mm-hmm. the, the Relational Life Therapy, um, his program, he's the person that brought to light the idea of grandiosity, which is, um, first I want to say before I describe that briefly, is that the blame is always on the patterns and not the person. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of compassion for these patterns. Yeah. And it's really important to have that because we learn them early to survive, to stay attached. And and so say a couple comes to me and the, the three of us will take on the patterns mm-hmm. so that person isn't alone. Right. And those patterns are actually genius and intelligent early on to survive that family. Yeah. So now as we undo them, we have to, of course, kind of relationally diagnose in a certain way, right? Without it being too rigid or dogmatic. Right, like too clinical. Right. And um, the grandiose is uh, one-up, dominant, patriarchy, above, um, separate, dominant. Sometimes an extreme can go to like a push, bully energy. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the way that person learned to control their environment. Mm -hmm. Well, so now they have to learn something new. Right. And usually, often, not usually, but often, the the grandiose, it's a hard word for me to say still, but it's effective. The grandiose will hook up with a latent. Right. But not always. And there's degrees of everything. Yeah. You know, there's full out grandiose, there's light grandiose. (laughs) Um, But the job, I think, is is to use the relationship to come to awaken rather than be happy. And I think that's particular Mm. to this day and age. The byproduct of awakening is happy, happiness. Mm -hmm. But to be able to use the relationship to awaken into number one, recovering our authentic self for both one up and one down mm-hmm. and meeting in the middle. And, um, yeah, I guess that's what I wanted to say. About that. that That's, that's interesting. Cause I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people like myself can include a, can want to come and say like, Oh, I want the happy, but to get to the happy, you're saying you need to go through the authentic and that can be 
really uncomfortable and painful to say, wow, it means unwinding these really deep seated, deep rooted patterns, not just in your current relationship, but coming from your Mm -hmm. childhood and your family of origin. And so I'm, I'm interested when you said a lot of times, like the grandiosity meets the latency because Jamie and I have been having this conversation, you know, we came together in a very like spiritual, you know, top of pyramids and spiritual teachers getting married and there's kind of that theme and that version of our story. And there's the, you know, I keep seeing, I'm like, wow, lock and key. You know, there's so many places where for him, you know, for me, I don't want to inconvenience someone for him. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to be inconvenienced. Right. Or, mm-hmm. um, kind of what you're talking about, you know, he'll, he can go into the more dominant controlling and I can put my hands up and say, well, I don't want to face mm-hmm. that conflict mm-hmm. and deal with it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm curious because you mentioned that usually people are attracted to each other for, you know, a few reasons. I'm really curious about that of like what brings us together. And, yeah. you know, I think about, I'm like, wow, on a soul level, how perfect to say, we're going to put these two humans together and let the, that lock and key happen. And they're going to play out these dynamics for however long until they choose to wake up and say, maybe there's a different way to do this. Do this. Right. Yeah. So, um, I forgot your question. I'm curious about like the reasons why we're attracted to each other oh, yeah. even in the first place. Yeah. So um, one way it's described that I found helpful, and this is Terry Reel's description again, is two reasons. One, we fit like a hand in glove and uh, the patterns just fit. And there's early romance. It's excru- excruciatingly blissful and it, it just works until differences show up mm-hmm. down the road and then it becomes an opportunity to heal you're also together because you have an opportunity to go beyond the patterns that you came with with each other instigating you on and if you look at it that way it's for your growth what can i do from my side mm-hmm. then you have the chance to transcend those limiting patterns you brought to each other mm-hmm. beyond your parents beyond the culture beyond what's already seated in in you and it's very hard mm-hmm. at times it's the, the the limitations of the personality stay fixed in place because that's how it survived and it wants to right. and it will not let you see them even right all right so so i have to point them out and see if you can see it and that becomes sometimes painful right <laughs> and it's uh, i've had a few people go nope that's not me <laughs> you know? um and i'm not coming back <laughs> right right um that's okay and uh so yeah those two reasons fit it it fits mm-hmm. and then there's the opportunity to go past those and yeah. you give that to each other i have a couple i'm working with right now oh my gosh they are in the most graceful, elegant phase of their relationship. And they started out coming in because they had trouble because they had a daughter who was dealing with addiction. And they saw their part in that. Mm-hmm. Um, then we, the work went to, they went to do, a, they did a working separation. It was where they lived separately mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time to work on themselves and feel who they are. Then at the end of that working separation, he decided he didn't want to be married. And now the work is to um, forgive the past, see one's part fully, 
And they are so incredibly eloquent and graceful in all the skills that they've applied, Mm -hmm. that they've learned. And they're doing it because of their daughter. Wow. And it is so profound to sit in their presence and Mm -hmm. watch them interact. They come in, I... They come in, I think, so that they can just do it together in the presence of somebody. Beautiful. It's so beautiful. That must be um, rewarding for you as a therapist because I'm sure, you know, you have those of us who are coming and saying, hey, we're in the midst of the breakdown and the, you know, trying to sort it through and learn these skills and repair. And then I'm imagining as some proficiency happens or change happens you know oftentimes you may not even hear what 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 the result of all your work was right right it's beautiful to have that just so you know i am am a um, a certified coach not a therapist okay i am not a psychotherapist okay yeah thank you for that yeah and so i'm i'm curious as you're talking about this and you know using different examples of just like are there different are there different phases that couples have go through or have the potential to go through between that, mm-hmm. you know, early falling in love stage? And then, you know, I know for Jamie and I, there was like a decade of mostly on pedestals with each other and not truly in hindsight being authentic and real. And then there was mm-hmm. a whole kind mm-hmm. of breakdown phase and trying to mm-hmm. sift through roles and how is this working? And yeah. You, I know one of the things that felt very comforting to me was you kept talking about like if you get past the the breakers like mm-hmm. where in the ocean like there mm-hmm. there the is something waves. right yeah. like there is something beyond that and I I I feel like it is somewhat rare for couples to really be open about their struggles and really mm-hmm. have that insight into other relationships so I'm curious to to kind of pull that thread through of like it's so normal to have this full arc of phases and it changes mm-hmm. and yeah. there's struggles. And maybe if you can name a little bit of what those phases yeah. might be, that could be. Absolutely. Helpful. The, the general, um, prototype is something like, again, that first phase of just bliss and romance and it carries itself. You really don't have to feed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can last anywhere from a year to your 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second phase is where we take on, we're committed, we take on responsibilities, maybe careers, children, houses, finances. That's where the differences start showing up. And that's where the collisions start to happen because differences now show up. We might have negated those in the beginning right. and not seen them. And they begin to show up in mass uh, when we're stressed. And the idea is not that there are collisions. There's going to be. A good or bad relationship or marriage isn't without collisions. It's how we handle the collisions Mm -hmm. or how to learn to cope with them. Mm -hmm. And the third phase is doing the work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, where's the nirvana phase? (laughs) And then when you do the work and there's a sufficient amount done where you drop into your authentic authenticity and some people it might involve going away and doing specific trauma work mm-hmm. it's not work that I do I do relational trauma work um, within the relationship um, but other specific trauma that is really huge I don't I, I refer them out then they come back uh-huh. and do relationship work so the third phase is learning to get through the breaker waves in the ocean and out into the calm and it's practice Mm -hmm. and it's knowing about the new capacities. It actually is 
the healing work entails um, bringing our functional adult or upper room, Mm -hmm. higher brain heart capacities into relationship with our younger self that was traumatized and then reparenting or parenting that child over and over and over Mm -hmm. and practicing with your partner the new skills and making mistakes over and and then you finally you start getting into the swing of things you start dropping down deeper into your vulnerability with your partner and being real it's a beautiful process Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I, f- I can just feel as you're speaking to it, I'm like, oh, I can feel that calming of my yeah. my system. And I remember one of the one of the things when we were talking about that dynamic of like how much each partner is like doing, and you made some comment about, I I, I call it warm soft love. I think you might call it soft power or mm-hmm. maybe a slightly different phrase. And I was like, oh right, like like remembering that energetic and how beautiful it is when you can drop into it and you're not in that place of the constant negotiating and and trying to figure out like who's doing what and there's like yeah. room and breath and space for yeah and it goes allowing to a, that to come through absolutely and it goes to a place where you start tending to the actual hurt and longing of your partner mm-hmm. in a generous way rather than even Stephen or equal or right. I have to be heard to. Well, there are times of that, yes. But sometimes yeah. we yield. And it's hard for women. Wait a minute, I'm not going to yield. I've done that for generations. Mm-hmm. We have. Uh, yet in a relationship, I'm thinking of Thich Nhat Hanh in his book, Communication. When I first read that, I couldn't read it. It was so over my head. Mm. It was, I couldn't take it in. And... um it's a lot about compassion and generosity. He kind of skips steps. You know, he didn't do the work. He just read the book of how to be in that place. Mm. <laughs> but there's steps in between of healing and um, reconnecting to yourself and coming home. It's like secure attachment. And when you're in that secure attached place with yourself, yep. which has whole, so many levels, then you can afford the generosity to tend to your partner's hurt and longing, even if you don't agree with it, even if you think they're exaggerating and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a beautiful image because I feel like if if you're so depleted or you're so overwhelmed or you're so um, not feeling that security inside of yourself, then of course there's more of that battle of whose needs are going to get met. But when you start really tending to your own needs and bringing yourself into that place of mm-hmm. feeling more grounded and secure, then mm-hmm. it does open up that space to say, well, now I can be present for you. And I think that was exactly a big shift. And mm-hmm. with Jamie and myself to be able to say, instead of trying to say like, I'm right. Or, you know, I've done more than you to mm-hmm. say like, like, what do you need? How can I, how mm-hmm. can I support you? And I'm like, wow. Like even just hearing those words right now, I'm like, oh, it's so tender to be in that place of both of us being able to say that to each other. If there's any kind of like upset or up, off balance coming beautiful. up so beautiful. and it, it makes such a world of difference. And I think, you know, at least for myself, to me in the past, like I was yielding in a way that was just completely overriding what it was mm-hmm. I really wanted. And that's a different kind of yielding than saying you're yielding to 
the compassion or to saying like, oh, I'm holding both myself and you in this relationship. And I think that's like an interesting kind of bridge to cross because if you are Mm -hmm. used to, you know, as society, women, as you said, have yielded a lot. And then for each of us personally, we often, you know, sacrifice ourselves for our family or for, for the other to caretake them as opposed to us. Mm -hmm. And so when we kind of rebalance that and then say, oh, now I can yield on things that are not um, self-sacrificing or they're not, you know, putting me in the position of like, I can't breathe or I can't function or I'm just constantly resentful. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It's a good place to be. Yeah. And it, it comes with, you know, the ability to have choice. And that, again, is about establishing a, an authenticity or healing with yourself enough mm-hmm. where you can choose to yield at times because of what it brings, that responsiveness, that connection, that presence. And I, I just wanted to say that when we're in that space where we're doing that with the presencing and the connection and... um the responsiveness, something new happens. Something, something almost subterranean gets metamorphosed, I want to mm-hmm. say, because we give it space. Mm-hmm. And that's an added, like, jewel to the whole thing. It gets, it gets, um, we don't often know what it is when we, ha- when we are able to tend to another like that. And we're so dropped in mm-hmm. and can do that and provide that interest and attention to them, even if we think they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- there's just something that shifts, something gets metamorphosed that we can't put our finger on that might come to light later. Uh-huh. It's like magic. It's like alchemy. I love that piece. That's the piece I love about it the most. I love when that happens that presencing, that listening and allowing whatever mm-hmm. it's, it's like an added bonus. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if this is exactly what you're talking about, but I've, I've noticed that all the energy that had been going into the, like, who's right, who's wrong, who's doing what, mm-hmm. once that was freed up and each of us went and did some of our own healing work, I'm like, Oh, now that, that like sweetness and that, that mm-hmm. caring it's more like fueling itself in an upward spiral and the energy is, mm. is, um, yeah. kind of like what you're saying. It's being sourced and recycled and exactly. And, uh, amplified because there isn't that headbutting or that constant like pulling mm-hmm. tension. And instead I'm like, Oh, it actually feeds on itself mm-hmm. and you, you can have more of that like flow and support state as opposed to the, the yeah, the, the other, which doesn't feel that good. So yeah, I'm kind of feeling yeah. what you're saying to have it be really rooted into yeah, beautiful. something a little deeper. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious if you can talk or give any suggestions about if, if someone's listening to this and they're, they're thinking like, how, how do I develop these capacities or how, how do I get out of these patterns and cycles? I've had so many women just comment that they feel like that they want to do their work and their, their male partner feels resistant or they're not interested. And the women in my community tend to be spiritual women who are doing kind of self growth. And there's that level of, you know, the husband kind of giving the eye roll or Mm. just saying like, this isn't, Mm -hmm necessarily like their natural 
interest or inclination. So any, any mm. suggestions on just well, like how, how do you, how do you like embark on this path to strengthen what's going on inside of you and support the relationship? Especially if there is a resistant partner. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would suggest starting your own work first. Um, and, um, it's a lot of work in the beginning of, uh, presencing yourself and learning to connect with your needs Mm -hmm. and dropping into your body and learning mindfulness to emotionally hold your own emotions with compassion really develop that you know to some degree it's like a basis of everything else next thing would be to learn to actually hear and listen to your husband Mm -hmm. or partner Um, especially learn how to do it if they're exaggerating bitter learning how to presence them even though they're that way that's mm-hmm. where the magic happens mm. so there's work in various degrees that go down a kind of a line to take care of yourself to learn skills where you can support yourself regardless of what's going on so there's a whole bunch of those there's a host of those as far as a resistant partner if you want him to be uh or her more on board with you um and engage in a growing process where their relationship can blossom at an upgraded level. Mm-hmm. It, depending on how resistant they are, um, you might have to bring about some leverage. And the way one um, person did this is that on her way to work every day in the morning, she put a sticky note on the door on the way out. So when he went out after her, he would see it and it said, I have a therapy session at nine o'clock on Friday scheduled show up or this relationship is in question. Mm. So he saw it five days in a row. He had time to get prepared mm-hmm. and she meant it. She was in her conviction mm-hmm. um, and he showed up. Mm-hmm. So there's leverage in ways that might work to get them to attempt to open up yep. and do their work. There's leverage with children. There's leverage with the relationship ending um i mean sometimes you have to go to that level yeah but first you want to work on yourself so that you can hear and listen and stay centered and in your equilibrium if he goes off or she goes off yeah or gets a little bit threatened caught and captured in threat yeah and does the number whatever that might be yeah. 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 I know you talked, uh, ta- have talked about like rocking the boat and being right. willing to do that. And right. I think, you know, obviously if you're in a relationship, there's so many fears about, you know, is this going to last and what is it going to mean? And am I going to be alone? So mm-hmm. to be able to work through all that inside of yourself and then like the difference between kind of the empty threats or the empty, like complaining of like, I'm done with this. I'm so mm-hmm. frustrated with it as opposed to that, what you're talking about, like a deeper rooted conviction of like I've drawn this certain line in the sand and I mean it and I'm willing to face the consequences if you say yes or no and that really changes the whole the whole dynamic (laughs) yeah yeah and so one of one of the phrases that you use that really caught my attention when we were talking about this episode was you talked about really being able to engage your heart force Mm-hmm. That that was just like a lovely way to phrase it, and I'm I'm just love to hear a little bit more by what you mean about that because I know for you you often direct like back to to love and compassion and empathy and all those qualities that yeah I want to nurture. Yes, yeah, it's a really interesting thing to talk about. Just last night I was getting 
sort of psyched and ready for this podcast. And I did practices that brought me back into my heart because, as I said earlier, I can be an over-responsible Capricorn in my head. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't serve or meet where people are. I have to drop in to be with them. And one way to do that is the heart. And there's so much to that. So a couple of exercises I did last night was put my hand in my heart and breathed in kindness and care. Mm-hmm. Um, five minutes. It, it just really disarmors things. Mm. Another one was um, seeing myself as a, a five-year-old in a picture that I have with my two sisters. And... Um, relating to my five-year-old's innocence and worthiness. Mm. Oh my gosh, that just drops one right in. Almost to the point of crying. Yeah, I could just feel that little. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like before energy. all that adult stuff uh-huh. happened, right? And had to deal with it. Um, so there, there's cert- that has to come into play in healing for ourselves. Another one is to bring in, uh, when we have a difficult emotion, like we feel guilty or we feel like we did something bad we bring that that quality of guilt or badness into our heart chakra area that sounds odd but we do that and then you breathe in compassion for it Mm. and you emotionally hold it and presence it until it begins to dissolve we have to awaken our heart forces we have to really work to find so many ways in our culture that doesn't that doesn't support that or promote that or teach us that. Maybe some people who grew up in religions, um, that happens more than not, but maybe not because some of the counter effects of dogmatic religion is opposite to that. But we really have to cultivate it with as many practices as we can through this process of healing and coming back into our authenticity. Mm-hmm. It's like coming home. Mm-hmm. And so finding a variety of ways to do that and keep bringing the attention back to it over and over. And the word again is practice. Yeah. Because layers of the onion fall away. Guardedness falls away. Protection falls away. All that that we developed to guard ourselves, to be protected, to not let the other one in or let ourselves out. Mm-hmm. And, and the heart is a... I, there's just so much that could be said about that forever. Yeah. I, I just am so struck at like how countercultural that sounds, right? To be, to really be in that place of like, oh, it's so individual to care for ourselves in this way and allow that that tenderness towards ourselves and to drop out of our mm-hmm. head and our to dos and our mm-hmm. opinions and our yeah. right and wrongs and really drop into that heart space and just how revolutionary that is to do that within yourself, to do that with a partner, to do that in your family in your communities and how that's like such a, like a root, a root practice that would make such a huge difference in this world if we all had those kind of skills. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it, I love how you say that root practice. It is, it is, it is, it is the ability when those forces are developed to live into another and actually feel from their shoes. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's often what's missing in a relationship. Part of the work in conscious uncoupling, uh, actually step four, (laughs) is where we get to the place where, okay, now it's time to feel our impact. 
that we had on the other by stepping into their shoes and feeling how they received what we did or didn't do, Mm. how we unconsciously may have been, how we might have failed in our own ideals. How did that impact them? What is it Mm. like staying in their shoes and how they received it? Mm. And it's the most incredible experience. And each partner does that for each other the best they can. And then they look at making amends or repairs for what the misery or the suffering they may have caused their partner. That's a completely different way of relating in your relationship than I'm right and you're the asshole. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? So it's heart forces. And some of us don't have it developed. And it's, it's heartbreaking to to experience that and then begin to try to move the person into that eventually little by little Mm -hmm. they can't feel their impact on another they're acting alone and um it's really beautiful when they move into it Mm -hmm. eventually and feel it a lot of tears yeah yeah that that just reminds me of that really relational orientation that you speak to and terry real speaks to of that it's not only individual, right? Like there's the path that individual goes on to do the healing, but then there's also that path that's possible when you're committed to letting the relationship grow and evolve and heal and to really then also feel how that's interwoven too. It's not just two two of us, but then it's also shared in our family and it's shared when we're, you know, bumping up into how we react to people as we're out and about in our communities. Totally. And, you know, the name of the game is, is really repair. And that's, I think this is speaking to that, um, knowing how to repair. We're human. We're not enlightened. We're going to be making mistakes forever Mm -hmm. or be half awake. And we don't always see the outcome of what we do or feel it in the moment and we can be reactive. And so the idea is to repair, to know how to repair it brings people back together. What was um, insulted toward the other, maybe just be let go of at that point and with more dialogue. I remember when my I first met my husband, and we've been together 36 years. When I first met him, um, he was doing triathlons, and he worked uh, in a corporation 45-minute drive away. So he was busy. Mm-hmm. And one night, we had known each other about three months. He was supposed to come over in the evening, and he never showed up. He never called, nothing. And I left a message. I had called him up. He got his message machine and said, I don't date people who don't show up. And I hung it up. He shows, there's a knock on my door the next morning at 6.30. He shows up in a full suit at my door, 6.30 in the morning. I'm awake, I'm I'm dressed. He comes in, I sit down, he gets on his knee, takes my hand, he said, I'm really sorry. Mm. I fell asleep. Mm. (laughs) And he did often when we were even together because he was so busy and Mm -hmm. tired. Um, But it meant the world to me. It was like, this guy's a keeper. Oh, my God. He repaired. I hardly knew him. And it meant to me that I was important, Mm -hmm. that I mattered. And it just lifted me beyond. So you cannot say enough about repair. Mm -hmm. It's, It's just... The way it's just, it is the way through. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing all your insight and your wisdom and your stories. And I just have that, that deep wish that if we can all have a little more awareness and we're all willing to do a little more repair, that that could just be so life-changing and game-changing, not just inside ourselves, but in our partners and families and, yeah. and world. So thank you so much for the work you're doing. And I just, I'd love if there's anything you want to share about your work or any ways that I know your, your practice is often full, but if there's anything you want anyone to know about what it is you're doing in the world, I'd love to give you that chance to share it. Um, yeah, so thanks. Um, it's coaching. Uh, modalities are, um, I, I've been training in Terry Reel's Relational Life Institute work. I'm a conscious uncoupling coach. It's deep relationship work. Um, we play it by ear as we go along. What's needed, every couple is different. Some people are with me for a year, some for five weeks. People drop in after they're done to tune up. Um, it's really wonderful to have happen. Um, some people do not st end up staying together. Mm -hmm. They decide that they're going to split, and when they do, they do so and change their relationship from the form of um, romantic lovers to friends and stay friends, and it's healthy mm -hmm. and really beautiful. That old idea of divorce that has to be hostile and we have to be enemies because you divorced me, mm -hmm. doesn't fit here. We move past that, and people stay friends. And I, some of them even divorced and gotten remarried. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> so I like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. We'll put yeah. some uh, links in the show notes. And I also just... I also love that idea that if you're doing that work and you choose to get divorced, then you're maybe a little more prepared for whatever totally. next relationship may there come you into are. your that, world. That's that's it. That's the whole key right there. Mm -hmm. Because um, if we don't change our patterns, we repeat. Mm -hmm. Patterns go on auto unless we interrupt them. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a momentary break and take a deep breath, and then we'll be right back for our intentional nudge. So Sue, I know we made some mentions about doing a U-turn and I'm imagining that some listeners might be having a moment in the relationship where they're feeling triggered or there's some conflict coming up and that tendency is to try to blame or fix the other or do something outside of yourself. And since here on this this podcast and this community, we're always you know, referring to ourselves and what we can do inside of ourselves mm -hmm. to make a difference and our lives in the world. I'm curious if you have a, a practical tool for us to do that. Yeah. Yeah. First thing, I mean, the U-turn is good. Um, and what you would want to do is notice that you're in a heightened threat response. You've gone into your limbic and, uh, it wants to react. And so how do we notice that? Like, what are the signs? Um, you rage up and you want to fight and you want to blame and take it out on the other and really, uh, um, forefront your attention on what they're doing wrong mm -hmm. or how they're not doing it well mm -hmm. and they're to blame for your upset so physiologically you feel it you get hot you rage your energy gets big your yeah. shoulders go all that yeah yeah, like yeah. the trigger right. trigger right. feeling yeah. right you're in threat fight flight or freeze and you want to do one of those real hard okay yeah <laughs> so we notice that this is up and so what do we do 
You have to practice knowing and you have to practice. I need to go to the balcony and that's, you know, let's get out of here and go somewhere where I can breathe. Well, we talk about that as just go in the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go the door. Right. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, and the first thing you can do is slow your breathing down for you on how you breathe a slower, deeper inhale and a slower, deeper exhale, because right away that's going to tell your nervous system you're safer. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you can do. And then there's a possibility of for doing a host of other things that re-regulate your nervous system to calm down so you can come back to center and out of the reactive state. And that's what you want to do. You want it, There's breathing sounds. There's sounds you can make. There's movements that you can do. Um, that are simple, and you really want to reestablish coming back into your presence of yourself Mm -hmm. and your own center. Later on in the work, I do inner child work, and there's a lot of chatting and talking, but that's an advanced practice. Um, So the very first thing is relational integrity, which is take care of yourself and do your own work first, Mm. always. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so just that simple act of taking a breath and finding your center again is going to shift the whole the whole thing dynamic. And yeah, that can be hard to remember when everything is red light flashing alert. Totally, yeah. because our um, it happens in a thirtieth of a millisecond that our bloodstream is flooded with these chemicals, mm-hmm. and they're powerful. Mm-hmm. So we have to learn to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. to hold yourself so tenderly. So yeah. I would love if any of the topics and themes that we've shared today on this episode, if something has arisen in you and you want to join us over in Fully Shining Woman Leading Our World, we have a free app and community over on Mighty Networks and you can go to fsw.care and we'll also put all the information for reaching out and contacting Sue and the notes and so once again i just really appreciate you and your work and the possibility and hope for our world oh thank you megan so great to be here i just love being with you here thank you you're welcome my pleasure (laughs) all right we'll see you next time now this is the part where i tell you how we can stay connected i would love it if you would rate review and follow this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. We're gathering over on Fully Shining Women Leading Our World on Mighty Networks, which is at fsw.care. You can follow me on Instagram at Megan Gilroy. And if you're interested in having a conversation about working with me privately, or whether the Fully Shining Women Wisdom School is a good fit for you, you can go to megangilroy.com to book a clarity call. Now, all this is in the show notes for you, and this has been edited and produced by Gilroy Productions. To hire us for your podcast, you can go to bit.ly slash Gilroy Pro. Thanks, Bodhi. I love you.